Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hi, I'm Dana Crawford. And I'm Wayne Jordan. In today's episode number 15 of Flip It or Skip It, we're going to be talking about kitchen appliances and gadgets. Kitchen appliances and gadgets. Well, you say that with authority, Dana. Makes it sound like you're a a maven in the kitchen. <laughs> well, no, I I have to confess I I I'm not a fan of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Except the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> and the microwave, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. But it's cool to have interesting looking appliances around the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I've noticed on um a lot of the millennials enjoy having the retro looking kitchen. I see a lot of them on Pinterest and on social media where they'll be sharing their green blenders and their pink blenders or <laughs> mm-hmm. the mix masters and and the and the harvest gold harvest gold um when when we helped my grandmother move out, she moved into our house for five years before she passed, and mm-hmm. when I was helping her clean out her kitchen, she had this really odd looking i guess it was i didn't know what it was it was it was a percolator or a coffee maker or what it was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but come to find out it was called a Russian samovar samovar I have no idea what that is. I was with you for percolator and coffee maker, but uh, <laughs> then, then you lost me. Yeah, but it sold for a lot of money on eBay, and they still sell. And it's funny because I actually have seen them in Goodwill. So mm-hmm. you can go in and look when you're going through Goodwill. Don't skip, or any thrift store, do not skip the appliance section or the kitchen section because you'll never know when you're you know digging through stuff you might find that old ice cream scoop worth money or mm-hmm. the coffee makers are um this type of one looks like an old um dispenser that you would put lemonade in or something but it's actually a coffee maker that was a russian percolator mm. and i would recommend keeping an eye out for those for sure absolutely yeah, my mother had one of those stovetop percolators. Where oh. and a, I'm sorry, yeah, I guess it was a percolator. It had a little ball on the top, and you had a basket on the inside where you put your coarse-cut coffee, steel-cut coffee grounds, and fill it up with water, put it on, and then you'd watch it boil until the color and the little bulb on the That's top right. got the right color, and the, then the coffee was done. And, of course, she moved from that to the electric percolator. And those were really cool because you could fix your coffee and plug those in before you went to bed and set it on a timer and wake up to the smell of coffee. So that was pretty cool. Yes, those the one that the first one you were describing, we would I actually had one of those when my kids were little and we'd go camping. Mm-hmm. And they were nice to put on the the campfire. Here here's an interesting uh, point I wanted to make. In a few days ago, I went to a local antique mall. And there's a booth in the mall that has an entire wall full of uh, antique and vintage kitchen utensils, hand utensils. 
And they had the usual array of things, you know, various spoons and knives and cutters and choppers and, and that sort of thing. But what struck me most as I stood there looking at things and the price tags and, and so on was how many of them were misidentified. Really? Yeah. The, uh, you know, it was, I'm sure they were, I don't know who owns the booth, but I suspect from the way things were identified in price that it's uh, not someone of my generation because we baby boomers grew up with these things <laughs> uh, in, in our homes. And uh, some of them were, were hard to, to find. And I understand that the difficulty they would have identifying them because for some of the items that I knew what they were, uh, I came home and uh, looked them up and put them into Google image search and tried to find them online. And I couldn't find them. Even with Google image search, I couldn't find them because people who post photos like that, unless they know what it is, Google's not going to pick it up because the, the photo is not tagged correctly. So I found that interesting that there's a whole generation or more of people we're just clueless about uh, these old appliances. It's funny that you mention that because that's a another idea for people that want to pick on eBay because they could put the name of the common gadget that is not recognized. They could put in the name and then see how many people do not have them listed properly and then buy them up and then list them properly. I've done that with Cupid dolls, with people not listing Cupid dolls properly. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So that would be a good sourcing option. What, like, what was one of them, for example? Oh, this might be a little hard to describe, but there was a one item that was marked as a candy mold. And it was a scissors-like thing. It had a handle that you, you would squeeze. And on the end of it was a mold. And they had it marked as a candy mold. Well, I knew what it was. It wasn't a candy mold. It was a mock chicken leg maker. Now, who in the world wants to make chicken legs? I don't get that. What What do you mean? It's important to put these things in their historical perspective. Uh, we're used today to going into the grocery store and, you know, seeing various cuts of chicken laid out in the in the meat department, and we can pretty much pick what we want. Right. But the chicken industry as as we know it today didn't even get started till the 40s and 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 refrigeration was in its infancy refrigerators and that sort of thing and there were parts of the country that didn't even get electricity until the 1930s hmm. so what we know today is is home appliances just it was a whole different world literally uh so this chicken leg maker uh, if you wanted fresh chicken, you had to go to a butcher shop where they had just butchered and bled and gutted and plucked the chicken. Then you could buy it. Now, I didn't have that problem in, at my house growing up. We lived eight miles from Washington, D.C. I was born in D.C., but we lived on a dirt road. And we had a chicken coop with 50 chickens in our backyard. Wow. So if we wanted chickens, we'd just go out there and, you know, we'd butcher a chicken. But not everybody could do that. And, th and this little uh, kitchen gadget was uh, made what's called city chicken. <laughs> and you could take 
ground meat, veal or whatever, and spice it up and put a coating on it and put it in the, the little gadget and form the the raw meat into the shape of a chicken leg. Oh, I get and it And then you could bake it or fry it or whatever you wanted to do. And, you know, it, it wouldn't, if you were used to having real chicken, that certainly wasn't going to do it, but it was shaped differently. It was shaped like a chicken leg. So, so yeah, people used them and, and ate that kind of chicken. Colonel Sanders would be ashamed. Well, hey, parts is parts. That's right. right. <laughs> That's right. Give me some wangs. <laughs> yeah, we need a wang maker. That's right. <laughs> that is a good story. I I enjoyed mm. that. I had I would have no idea, but now I cannot wait next time I'm um treasure hunting and right. to keep my eye open for that type of a mold cuz it'll be interesting to find. Well, it's it's a good approach for pickers because you go to yard sales, garage sales, estate sales, whatever, and since the people putting on the sale probably won't know what those things are, they're going to put them in a box or put them out and, and put a dollar on it because they don't know what it is and they don't know what to charge for it. So if you're out and you see these kind of things, even if you don't know what they are, you can probably offer a quarter of 50 cents for it and get it. And sometimes these things will sell for not a lot, but twenty, thirty, fifty dollars, something mm -hmm. like that. And if you paid less than a dollar for it, that's pretty good margin. So when you see things like that in a in a box or sitting out on a table, just go ahead and buy them because uh, somebody's going to know what it is when right. you list it online, and somebody's going to want to buy it and add it to their collection. Sure. And if you put a picture on it, even if you misname it. Right. Uh, people who collect those old kitchen gadgets uh, know to look under, uh, to search for them in various ways. That's right. So they'll, uh, and if you're wrong about telling what it is, describing it, then they'll correct you. You can, you know, either go back and, and correct it or they'll buy it and won't give you a chance. No, and, and people are very um, generous with their their education on eBay where they will come forward and say, Hey, this is actually this and you should list it like that. Right. And you know, people, people are kind when it comes to that, or there's those that are sitting back, the snipers waiting in the grass. To <laughs> so it's, but the main thing is I like your idea with um, just pick it up and then figure it out when you get home. There are some awesome groups on Facebook that actually um, are identification, antique identification groups that will, if you upload a photo to the group, they'll help you identify stuff. So there's a lot of help out there as mm -hmm. far as that goes. And then once you identify it and you've got those keywords, then you can start doing the research. Okay, Dana, uh, this is a good spot to pause for a message from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Hey, eBay sellers, it pays to know what you've got and what it's worth. That's why you need WorthPoint. WorthPoint.com is the world's largest resource for pricing antiques and collectibles with millions of items, photos, and sold for prices. With their free mobile app for iPhone and Android, you can carry the power of WorthPoint right in your pocket wherever you go. For a seven-day, seven-lookup free trial, go to WorthPoint.com. 
Okay, we're back with yours truly, Wayne Jordan and Dana Crawford. And we're talking about vintage kitchen appliances and gadgets. So to switch it up to um, the appliances, I noticed that the classic chrome, and I just wanted to share with everybody, this model number is 1B14, and it's a Toastmaster, and they sell very well on eBay and online. Now, the key with listing and flipping um, a lot of appliances is to research that model number. Sometimes people will just think, oh, I'll just put in Sunbeam toaster or Sunbeam blender, and they don't think about the model numbers because the, the prices change drastically based on the model number. And also the color. Mint green or pink is is a good color and believe it or not the children's apply kitchen appliances <laughs> sell very well as as well like you mean like the old toy ovens what what, what kind of something bake oven I... I did have an easy bake oven and I burned everything in it as well <laughs> oh so that's where you got all your training <laughs> To this day, <laughs> you pretend you're using your Easy Bake Oven. We'll have to talk to your husband about getting yeah. you some new appliances. <laughs> it won't matter. <laughs> but um, yeah, this the I had an Easy Bake Oven, and and the Easy Bake Ovens also came um, different generations of model numbers. So it's important to take a look at that model number. And it's something else I discovered is the the Oster blender. I actually have a green one that I picked mm -hmm. up at a garage sale for ten bucks a few mm -hmm. years ago, mm -hmm. and I I took a chance on it because it came with the extra mini um, jar that went on right. it, and I hadn't seen one with with the additional jar. People, you can sell them separately. So sometimes when you pick items up like that, if they have more attachments, they'll be more valuable. So I went ahead and bought it. And I did some research on it recently because I hadn't listed it yet. And I noticed that there are um, vintage ones that were beehive shaped. And I never seen one of those before. Have you? No. No, I Yeah, haven't. they're beehive blenders. <laughs> Uh, and, and are these made by Sunbeam? They were made by Oster. O-S-T-E-R. Oster. Oster. Right, right. And they're really interesting, but they were pretty much the highest sellers when I was looking them up on, on WorthPoint. Mm -hmm. And also the the Oster, the green one, The I guess it's like an avocado green. It mm -hmm. probably, you know, maybe I'll get 50 bucks for it. They right. They don't sell for a lot. And I may be able to ask more because I've got the added jar. Mm -hmm. And I've also done well with the Mix Masters. The mm -hmm. Mix Masters, I pick those up at estate sales when I see them, if they come with the bowls. Because the Mix Masters with the white milk glass bowls um, seem to sell better right. if you have all the attachments. Or you can sell them separately, too. Right. So right. depending on your research, you want to sit down and, and research the Mixmaster bowls separately and the blender separately and the attachment separately because mm -hmm. you may, in the end, make more money selling them separately. Separately. Yes. Right. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And the other key is to make sure they work. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, you have to plug them in and check them. And personally, when I list um, vintage appliances, I do not accept returns. And that's something that you have to um, weigh out for yourself in your own business mm -hmm. because it will decrease, supposedly it decreases you in search um, right. because you're right. not accepting returns right. and your shipping is going to be higher because you've got to charge for shipping right. and it's going to be higher. So it's going to decrease you in search. So what's going to help you win in search are those keywords with model numbers and all of the, every detail you can think of that's a magic keyword. Right. So other than blenders and mixers, what other sort of uh, vintage appliances have passed through your store? Well, as a consignment seller, I actually won't take appliances mm -hmm. because I've had, I had an experience where a customer brought me um, a coffee maker. It was a high end cappuccino maker and it was worth, you know, good $600. Mm -hmm. And um, I sold it no problem. And um, it didn't work. So even if you have no returns, you know, if you have no returns, um, it doesn't matter because it's not yours. Now it's it, it falls into the category of not as described because it's not working. And there's not much you get in kind of a bind situation with that. So that's why I won't take consignment items on. I would rather be responsible for them myself to be able to deal with um, the type of situation and not belong to someone else. But besides toasters, blenders, coffee makers, mixers, and then, of course, all the hand gadgets galore. Right. I mean, we could be here all day, right? There's Sure. There are the coffee grinders. Mm -hmm. Now, they don't sell for a lot the electric coffee grinders and there's some older ones that um do sell they're they're so common i actually have three or four of them because mm -hmm. they would i bought a few box lots at estate sales and coffee grinders would be in there so i give them to my kids and mm -hmm. whoever wants one because <laughs> they don't sell real well but right. the old-fashioned coffee grinders have you ever used one of those no, I see them in antique stores, but I've never used one. And how did you come about them? Yeah, I saw, well, one belonged to my grandmother when she, when she came to us. But, um, and it had uh, a drawer where, you know, the coffee went into. And at the time, the meat grinder, she had a meat grinder as well. And the meat grinder and the coffee grinder, I did sell them on eBay. They didn't sell for high dollar but right. I was able to sell them, and they cost me nothing. <laughs> well, meat grinders are pretty common anywhere you go. I mean, my mother used a meat grinder when I was growing up in the 50s. It's She'd grind the meat and then make hamburgers or meatloaf or whatever, but uh, that's pretty common. And because it's common, they're not going to bring a lot of money, and that's something that everybody knows what it is and what it looks like. So. Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, too, don't forget about the, the kitchen drawers and when you um, go to the thrift shops, because sometimes I get lucky and I'll find a Cutco knife. Now I was going to say, or also the, the knife holders, 
So mm-hmm. like if you see sometimes I'll, people pass by those the knife the the wooden block you know that holds the knives and some of them are worthless but it if it has a brand on it and I've picked up a Cutco holder before and got a couple hundred dollars for it and only paid a, mm-hmm. a dollar. Hmm. My wife uh, bought a set of Cutco knives. Mm-hmm. When she got her very first job, we still have them and yes. we still use them. Yes. So I'm going to go online and see what they, see what they'll bring. Maybe. Oh, isn't it time to buy you a new set of knives, honey? <laughs> no, they last forever. They do. They're very good knives. Yeah, and they hold an edge. It's good, good quality steel. They do. So. Yes, I have a complete set of Cutco silverware. That do wears, you? Yeah. That my mm. mother bought me a couple years ago for mm. a special gift. Oh, good. That's a nice gift. Yeah, it is. And the Cutco, I mean, you can't go wrong. Every Everybody in my family, we all have Cutco. So if you, it's fun when you find them at the thrift store because mm-hmm. even if they're dull, you can send them off to Cutco and just pay shipping and they'll sharpen them and they'll mm-hmm. they'll bring them back to life for you. So what about large appliances? Uh, I mean, of course, that's not something that you sell online, but do you see uh, vintage refrigerators and stoves and that sort of thing in your travels? I do when we uh, go treasure hunting at the big flea markets. Mm-hmm. I've seen the the larger appliances. I personally haven't sold any large appliances, but you could you could. I mean, I've sold large items. I've sold tractors on eBay. <laughs> I mean, you can really? sell really large items. And I've sold slot machines and pinball machines, things like mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. it's possible. You can just have, when you have a very large appliance, say you come across a Sunbeam refrigerator, for example, and you've done your research and it sells really well on eBay and you've got right. a great price for it local, you can still list it. And then in the description box, we'll ship anywhere in the world. Buyer makes arrangement for shipping. Right. But do not choose local pickup only because you cut yourself short mm-hmm. from cert. Okay. I've never tried local pickup only on uh, eBay. Yeah, it is an option. And, and um, as a consultant, I had a lady come to me one time and she had a it was a tanning bed. She had a tanning bed and she had it on eBay for months and months and months and couldn't sell it. And so she contacted me and said, I don't know, Dana, I cannot sell this. And I went in and started looking. And first thing was she had local pickup only. And I said, seriously, Kathy, you should add, take out local pickup only. And she said, oh no, I can't ship it. And I said, no, you don't have to ship it. Just put We'll ship anywhere in the world, buy or make arrangement for shipping. And believe me, if somebody wants that and they know they're familiar with it, they're going to send their own shipper in. Or you may have to go through U-Ship, which I can help you with. It's an easy process. Right. And um, so anyhow, she ended up fixing it and she sold it within a week. Wow. See, that's a really good tip because I I have always avoided uh, big items for... uh, selling big items on eBay and, and shipping was, so if I found something that, um, you know, a big item, I'd be more inclined to take it to an antique dealer and just try to flip it as a picker 
Mm -hmm. um, and But you don't get as much for it because they've got to make their profit. That's a good option because it's a win-win. We can all mm -hmm. make money. If Even if you make a few bucks, let him make a few bucks. Who cares? Everybody make a few bucks. Right. And if I don't have to store it and look at it and, you know, wonder when somebody's going to buy this thing, right. that makes a difference too. Okay, Dana. Well, that wraps it up for episode 15. We'd like to thank all our listeners for joining us and uh, check us out at flipitorskipit.com where you can see a list of all of our episodes. Dana, thank you very much. Well, thank you. And it was fun cooking up a good episode with you, Wayne. Ooh, boom, boom. You've always got these good zingers at the end here. Great, great. Okay, folks, we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. <laughs>